0: Let's pray over the Word. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word and we ask Your blessing upon it. We love Your Word. Lord Jesus, You are the Word. You are the Logos. And Heavenly Father, You speak over us Your Word, which is the rhema. And I pray now in Jesus' name for the service of Your Word. Uh, I thank You, Lord, for all the prayers so far and just... Add our agreement to it that you will watch over your word to perform it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. Philemon, one chapter, no no other chapters. Uh, This is Paul, and he writes, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. Excuse me. Hearing of your faith and love... Excuse me again. Hearing of your love and faith, which you hast have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says that the communication... The word communication is the familiar Greek word we all know, koinonia, which also, and more often... Times is translated fellowship. Koinonia of your faith may become effectual. The root word for that word, effectual, is ergon, which means uh, effective or uh, energized. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, excuse me, it, the, the Greek word there is energio, which means energized. The effectual. By the acknowledging epic nosos. Gnosos means knowledge in the Greek. Epic is, is like if you're an, an epic uh, show, you know, it's panoramic, epic, epignosos of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And I just want to say that very deliberately one more time. That the Fellowship of your faith may become energized by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Is that a beautiful verse? Hallelujah. Glory to God. it's no uh, secret that I really, really, really love to watch some of the old Jesus movies. Matter of fact, I like them all. Uh, I especially like uh, The Greatest Story Ever Told and Jesus of Nazareth. Um, I, I frequently have gone back and watched pieces of them Uh, multiple times, and I appreciate it. I I shared a story last week, and I didn't finish it. Uh, I I thought of it later. I said, I never finished the story. It's it's from the Bible, and you know the story of the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus and wants to follow him, and uh, he, he says, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus says to the rich young ruler, he says, uh, keep the law, keep the word. He says, I've done that from my youth. He says, honor your father and your mother. I've honored them from my youth. And he, he says, I, I give to the uh, poor. I, I tithe. I pray. And, <clears throat> and then Jesus says to him, uh, okay, one thing, one thing left. Go and sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And the rich young ruler went away sad. And uh, in the story of the greatest story ever told, Jesus, they, they I, I don't know, this is Hollywood, I guess. Most of the things they do in there are very biblical they may not chronologically fit in with the order, nor may they be the same people, and they may just combine things. They did the same thing in Jesus of Nazareth. That story particularly is when Jesus and the disciples, they go to um, <clears throat> the house of Lazarus, Mary and Martha. And that, they live in Bethany, just a very short distance from Jerusalem. And they go into their house. And at that point in time, uh, they become, and this is also true in the Word of God, that the uh, Lazarus and Mary and Martha are three of Jesus' closest friends. And there's great stories about Jesus and God in this. But they go into the home, and Jesus... Uh, uh, Lazarus sees them coming and says they're pilgrims we must invite them into our home and invited into their home and then um, then Jesus is sitting around in their, in their out, out porch or patio and, and teaching and Lazarus says to Jesus um, <clears throat> "What could, would it be possible if I could follow you And become one of your disciples. And in this story, they combine the rich young ruler story. And so Jesus says to Lazarus, uh, You're a wealthy man. And he says, Yes, I am wealthy. And he says, Well, would you? Um, He says, His wealth a sin, is being wealthy a sin? He says, absolutely not. But it can be a burden. And he says, would you be willing to sell everything you have and come and follow me? And Lazarus looks down and says, "Who who could do this? And how many of us could do that? Think about it. Could you do that? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. It's not like I'm a wealthy person. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if I could or not. And so he's uh, contemplating that. And he said, I give a third of all that I have, you know, to the poor and to the to the church, to the synagogue. And he says, I knew a woman once, a widow woman who gave two mites. And somebody, one of the other, just said, what is that among so much? How's that? She said, he says, it was all she had. And so uh, now at this point, when they get ready to leave and they get, they're leaving, Jesus says to Lazarus, Uh, Lazarus, he kind of throws him an olive branch at this point, which is a little different than the rich young ruler story. He says, as they're leaving, he says, uh, Lazarus, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And then they leave and make some comments. In the middle of that, though, he says it is harder for a rich man, and this is the same story that's in the rich young ruler. He tells his disciples after the rich young ruler went away, and Jesus was very sad. He didn't go chasing him. He was very sad. He let him go. And he says to his disciples, and he says in the Laz- in the Lazarus story, he says, It is harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the through an eye of a needle. Now I heard teaching before that that was referring to a a door that is in the wall uh, for commerce. And it's kind of a little circular thing that looks like the eye of a needle, a small. But it's so small that if you wanted to get a camel through it, you would kick all the legs down and got it basically down on its belly and it would inch its way through, take take off all its pack and carry the packs through the door the eye, and then the, the, the camel would like just inch its way through. And so it wouldn't be impossible, but it would be a great task. Well, and I've looked these words up, and it doesn't say that, that I can find. That's just some story that I've heard several people say it. It really means a needle, the eye of a needle. And of course that is impossible To get a camel through the eye of a needle And then even the disciples See there's two reasons we know That that's a real needle Because the, the disciples don't say That it's, it'll be difficult The disciples when the rich young ruler They say If, if a rich man can't be saved Who, who then can be saved That's impossible for, for that to happen And Jesus But Jesus gives the answer Okay? Which is far greater than the camel going through the eye of a needle. I mean, the, a, re, a real needle. And he says the answer. And he leaves that answer out in the Lazarus story, which is he just throws the olive branch to Lazarus, you're not far from the kingdom of God. But the answer is paramount. You know what the answer is? The answer is the things that are impossible with man are possible with God. God could save anybody, you know, even a rich man. And you see that, see how paramount that is? Jesus poses a picture that is absolutely impossible. And then he says, but not with God. God can do anything, amen? So anyway, I I, I wanted, I I realized I didn't finish that whole story. I wanted to finish that story. But here, the communication of thy faith may become energized. Is is there anybody in here that needs your faith energized? Energized? You know, last week we uh, showed that you could increase faith. You know, not, not. Like the disciple says to Jesus, increase our faith. You know, when he told them to forgive 490 times, increase our faith, you know. No, uh, in Second in, uh, Peter chapter 1, it talks about add to your faith and increase your faith. Add to your faith, virtue and virtue knowledge and so forth. You can increase your faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. <laughs> Study the word of God. And when God speaks to you through there, your faith would be. But this says this this comes by energizing your faith by acknowledging every good thing that is in you. So you can energize your faith by acknowledging every good thing that is in you. Acknowledging has to do with this. Uh, Epa, epic. Gnosos, Gnosos is knowledge, but it's like something you know inside. Epa is when you bring it out, okay? Or, or confess it, say it. Amen? All right? So it says we can energize our faith. And you notice the communion of our faith. You know what communion? Uh, the communica- it says communication, but it means communion or, or uh, <clears throat> fellowship. You know, communion takes two people at minimum. Wherever two are gathered in my name, there I am. You have to. You you cannot have communion, which is yourself. You know, this is, and this is through the body of Christ. It is when you encourage one another and you uplift one another, edify one another, and you do it by acknowledging outward. The uh, um, communion of your faith. the Every good thing that is that is in you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Another one of my favorites. Uh, I, I talked to you about uh, Charles Dickens' Tale of Two Cities. And I, I, if you remember, I read the, the beginning of the Tale of Two Cities, which is a list of things. And it starts off by it says, it's the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was a time during the French Revolution and there were some uh, good things that were happening for their country but they were also very sad things that was happening for their country. (laughs) You know, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. And we talked about that. And so next week, I'm going to tell you where I was going with that because I forgot right now. That's all right. Okay. All right. <clears throat> One of my favorite scenes. Okay. This now I know where I now I remember. In Jesus of Nazareth, it's when he goes into Nazareth, and he goes into the synagogue, and this is pretty accurate, and you can find it in Luke the fourth chapter, the eighteenth verse, if you want to look it up. But in Jesus of Nazareth, he goes into the synagogue, and he goes up front. And he waits there And the priest that's in charge Moves aside and hands him the scroll of Isaiah And he takes Isaiah And he unrolls it And he says The Spirit of the Lord is upon me Because he hath anointed me To preach the gospel to the poor To set at liberty those that are bruised to open the prison doors to open the blind eyes to heal the broken hearted and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord and everybody in there knew that that's about the Messiah and then Jesus Luke, Luke 4 In Jesus of Nazareth, he rolls up the scroll and he says, In your hearing, these prophetic words have come to pass. In your hearing, you are now seeing the manifestation. Of this prophetic word. Doesn't make him happy. He's just called himself the Messiah. And in the Jesus of Nazareth, Mary, his mother, is on the other side of the lattice because it was just the men that were in there in the synagogue. And the women would have to, if they were to participate, they'd have to do it out of range, you know. And so she was looking through a lattice. Lattice. And she says, in our hearing, this prophetic word has come to pass. And she just repeats what he said. And you know what's going on in her side, side right there? The best of times, the worst of times. Because she knows where it's going. You see what I'm saying? Even the word Mary means bitter. Starts back at Naomi in the book of Ruth. Naomi's name meant pleasant. Then her father, her husband died, and her two children, uh, sons died, and she was left with her two daughter-in-laws. And she renamed herself. Instead of Naomi, which means pleasant, she named herself Mara which means bitter, and the word Mary comes from morrow, doesn't mean angry bitter. It means struggle, struggle bitter. And the same thing when Mary is at the cross. She is truly Mary. She's hurt. She's wounded. But where there's a crucifixion, there's also a resurrection. All right. Hallelujah. Amen. So, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the Gospel, to set at liberty those that are bruised, to preach deliverance to the captive, the open of the blind eyes, to heal the brokenhearted and preach the acceptable year of the Lord this day, today. This is the day the Lord hath made. In your ears, the fulfilling of "I am fulfilling this scripture. So soak, soak, let it soak <clears throat> You know, <clears throat> the queen of Sheba, I find it interesting that the name Sheba is the word for Sabbath. Sabbat, uh, the queen of seven, Sabbat, which is the ancient word for covenant before Barath. But the queen of Sheba went hundreds, someone said 1,500 miles to see Solomon, heard about his great wisdom. Then when she saw him, she says, "The half of everything I heard was didn't. It doesn't even compare to what I see. And a greater than Solomon is standing right here before you right now. Jonah went to Nineveh, and the entire nation of Nineveh re- repent in sackcloth and ashes. A greater than Nineveh, greater than Jonah, is standing." before you here, right now. Do you know that uh, in Ezekiel chapter 14, Ezekiel is telling the people that he's not going to turn their captivity uh, for a while. Because God is angry. And then in, say this, 14. 14. Fourteen. Thank you. All right, Ezekiel. Fourteen. Verse fourteen. 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 All right. Ezekiel says this, or God says this. I, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase. You can look at it. I wouldn't care if Noah and Daniel and Job were here interceding for them right now. I wouldn't change my mind. I would save them because of their righteousness. Then verse 16, he says almost the same thing. I wouldn't I wouldn't even save a son or a daughter because Noah, Daniel, and Job were here, if they were here. I would save them, but I wouldn't save anybody else. Then verse 18 says it again. Even if Noah... Daniel and Job were here. I wouldn't I wouldn't change my mind. They couldn't change my mind. Then verse 20, he says it again. You know, uh Tim Keller says and I've heard other speakers say it, when God says something once, you better listen. If he says it twice, yeah you better give due diligence. If he says it three times, boy, you better sit up and take notice. If he says it four times, your life is going to depend on it. You understand what I'm saying? So when he says, these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, he's setting them apart. It's like when The devil said, you know, nobody loves you, God. He says, well, have you considered my servant Job? (laughs) So he's saying something pretty important about Daniel, Noah, and Job. I'm here to tell you that a greater than Daniel, Noah, and Job is standing before you right now. I am the seed that God was talking about in Genesis 3, where God prophesies to the devil and says, A seed's going to come from woman, and he is going to crush your head, and you're going to bruise his heel. I am that. I am that seed. The Spirit of the Lord has come to reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of sin because they didn't believe in me. Of righteousness, because I'm going to go be with my Father. Of judgment because the Prince of this world is judged. And I'm going to be sitting in judgment on the Prince of this world. There is no man that has ever been born of woman that is greater than John the Baptist. He is also the greatest prophet that has ever lived. And I'm here to tell you that you're looking at a greater than John the Baptist. That said, I am greater than John the Baptist. Hallelujah. You know what else I can say? I'm the chiefest of all sinners and the least of all saints. They can also say that I count not myself to have apprehended that which I am apprehended for. But I'm gonna press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I am not settling for just a calling. C- calling's pretty good. I don't want a. Ho- I don't want the calling. I want the high calling of God. This talks about a holy calling. I don't want just an ordinary calling. I want a holy calling. The Bible says, many are called, but few are chosen. I am chosen. God chose me before the foundation of the world. Before I was born, before I came forth, before I was formed in my mother's belly, before I came forth from the womb, God sanctified me, and He's ordained me to be a prophet unto the nations. Now I just want to say one thing before some of you start getting up to leave or throw me off a cliff. The acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. You know what? Sit here at my right hand. That's what God said. Psalm 110 verse 1. Hebrews verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Sit here at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. God said that to me. Sit here at my right hand. Do you know why? Because according to Ephesians 1, I have been raised with Him and I am seated with Him in heavenly places. So I'm seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So when God said it to Jesus, He said it to me. Because that's where I am. You follow me on this? Are you with me on this? It's hallelujah, hallelujah. Ephesians 2.10 I am God's workmanship. Poema. The word poem comes from that word workmanship. Poem. I am his workmanship. I am God's poem. I am his Sistine Chapel Ceiling. I am his Michelangelo's Moses. I am starry, starry night. I am the greatest of his creations. That's what it means. I am God's workmanship created. I am... His clay that he has molded and shaped. All right, what's the catch? So are you. <laughs> so are you. As a matter of fact, some of those things I said aren't even true, except for, unless it's us. You see, the fellowship of your faith. It's got to be, it's only us. We're the ones that are going to step on Satan's head. We're the ones that are the church. I just had the most wonderful time uh, yesterday. Time changes when you get to be my age. A friend called me that was one of my mentors in the early 70s. Love him, love him so dearly. And I lost touch with him. I didn't know how to find him. And he calls me after six years. And he's in Amarillo, Texas. His name is Phil Borden. And Phil, if you hear this message, if they still do this podcast, hi, Phil. I had a wonderful time talking. You know what else I am? God sought for a man to fill the gap. You will hear Kermit, when he prays, make reference to this verse. It is also in Ezekiel 22, verse 30. God looked for a man to fill in the gap, to make up the hedge. I'm that man. It's me. He seeketh such to worship him. It's me. That's me. I want to worship him. It's also you. It's us. We are in Christ. In Ephesians 1 it says, I am blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You know what that means? That word blessed is that Greek word eulogio. We get the word eulogy from it. Only thing is, in our, in our time, we only say eulogies after the guy is dead and gone, you know. Hello? But God has a different plan. He's, it says, we, blessed by God, eulogy. Eulogy is when you speak a good word over someone. You say something nice. You know, like James Taylor, when he goes down to, to Carolina, he says, say nice things about me while I'm gone. You know? But God doesn't wait. He says nice things about it. It's the first verse where he says this. You and I have had God speak over you. God has spoken over me. Not with one blessing, but with every spiritual blessing. God has spoken over me with every spiritual blessing. Because I'm in Christ. Which is in us because we are in Christ. Jesus, you know, you know, um, my, it's, this is my absolute probably favorite verse. It says, Jesus... 2 Corinthians 5.30, Jesus was made sin who knew no sin that you and I might be made the righteousness of God in him. I am, you are the righteousness of God. I'm the righteousness of God. Because Jesus was made sin. He not only was made sin. You know when Jesus was sweating great drops of blood and said, Could this pass from me? Because he was going to be separated from the Father. And I'm going to tell you something else about that in a minute. But the Father wasn't having a good time. And yet, it says in in, 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 uh, Hebrews 12... It says, we, seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, that's another thing. You take that entire cloud of witnesses, that's all the patrons and the matrons in Hebrews 11, I'm greater than they are. Well, what the, one I think, the, the thing I said about John the Baptist, I didn't make that up. You can look at, you find it in, in, uh, in Luke 11, I believe it is. When John the Baptist died, they came to Jesus says, John the Baptist has died. And Jesus says, there has not a, there's not a greater man. He's the greatest prophet. Notwithstanding the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. How can that possibly be? Because see, John the Baptist was a representation of the old covenant. But the new covenant is a great, far greater, better covenant than the old covenant. And in the new covenant, we are greater than John the Baptist. The least, and that includes me, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That's why I'm greater than Solomon. That's why I'm greater than Jonah. That's why I'm greater than Job. That's why you are too. Not because you in yourself are greater. It's because you in Christ are greater. And it says we're blessed with all spiritual blessing. God has spoken over me. And he has said, you know, and he says in his word, before you even existed, you existed in me. And he speaks these words over us. And when we agree with them and acknowledge them, then we begin to rise. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, He will quicken your mortal body. The Holy Ghost is in me. The Holy Spirit is in you. If the same Spirit is in you, then you are Christ-like. christ like you can say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me. I'm anointed of God. It says in 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven, 2.27, I mean, it says this, the anointing which you have received of Him lives in you. Did you hear that? The anointing which you have received of Him lives in you. 1 Corinthians one thirty says, we are made unto Christ wisdom, Righteousness. Sanctification and redemption. So let's get back to this. He was made sin. What? Who was made sin? Jesus was made sin. With my sin. Now here's the real crazy. Back up to Hebrews 12. It says, Seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside in every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Looking unto Jesus, the author... And the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God do you get it who for the joy that was set before him wait a minute wait a minute what about the garden of Gethsemane where he sweating great drops of blood that didn't sound like a whole lot of joy there Will you see something? Both are true. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And it was the same for the Father. He was made sin. This is absolutely, you know, I was, I, I think I was talking to my daughter Amy, but I'm not sure. I, if I'm wrong, you know, it's somebody else. Of course. See, I told you, my wisdom is greater than that of Solomon. Yeah, if it wasn't her, it was somebody else. <laughs> and that was, you know, I, I always say he turned his back on his son. But before he did, he, the father, he turned his back on his son. Why hast thou forsaken me? Psalm 22. Before he did that, it says this. Let's, uh, let's, let's go back to Isaiah 53 verse 4. Verse 5, excuse me. Verse 5 says, All we like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord God, the Father, hath laid on Him, the Messiah, Christ, the iniquity of us all. Do you see how that coincides with He was made sin who knew no sin? That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. But now if this doesn't blow your mind, then you're not really receiving this. Or maybe I'm not delivering it. But this is going to blow your mind. Isaiah 53.10 It pleased the Lord, the Father, God, to bruise Him. That's what it says. It pleased the Lord to bruise Him. This is... Uh, was it you, none Never mine. I don't... It, it was somebody... Uh, wisdom just keeps coming out of me. Excuse me a minute. And I think my nose is running. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. This means before the Father turned his back on the Son, before that, He, the Father, made uh, His Son. Sin with my sin. And it just it wasn't just enough that he made his son. It says it pleased the Lord to bruise him. You know what that word bruise means? Literally means to crush him. It pleased the Father to crush his son with my sin, because so that I could be made the righteousness of God. Not, the, my, not my own righteous, the righteousness of God in Christ. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Whoa! I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I've said this, I'll say it. Take it the wrong way, take it out of here, tell everybody, I've really gone off the deep end. Maybe you already got that conclusion, anyways. But let's take this, let's let's, let's, let's go this. God, his son, who never knew any sin, who had fellowshipped him with eternity since eternity passed, crushes him, son, with my sin. God is insane. That's crazy. None of us would do that. But I sure love Him for it. Thank You, Lord, that You love me so much that it pleased You to crush Your Son. Wow! Bloom. Blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ, I, I, according as He hath chosen us. I'm chosen of God before the foundation of the world. That's what it says in Ephesians. Having predestined as an adoption of children. I've been adopted. He crushed His Son so that I could be made His Son. I'm born of God. I'm born of the Spirit. I'm born again, not incorruptible seed by, by incorru- by, not by corruptible seed, by incorruptible seed, the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. The word of God lives in me. Are you feeling your faith just a little bit energized here? I am. Hallelujah. And then I love that word where it says, wherein he, is, wherein he hath met according to the riches of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. And I love that word accepted because it's the Greek word karatu. It comes from the Greek word charis. The Greek word charis is the Greek word karis is for the word grace. Kara two means it means the emphatic version of grace, or extended version of grace, or greater than grace. It means multiple grace. It means a lot of grace, or like somebody says, grace on steroids. I'm accepted in Christ. Wow! In church, we you know my friend Bill. Bill uh, Phil Borden <laughs> couldn't even remember his name, but that's that's that comes with age. Yeah, my f- my friend Phil Borden spent an entire day back in the charismatic days, charismatic movement days. He was he my Phil Bo- my friend Phil Borden was a leader in Trinity Baptist Church in Amarillo, Texas and he got filled with the Holy Ghost and fired you know the verse of Scripture says you're filled with the Holy Ghost and fire well he got filled with the Holy Ghost and fired and kicked out uh, those were different days in those days you know they've got to the point where they tolerate us now you know charismatics and so he got filled with the Holy Ghost and But he spent, during those days, he spent an entire day with Derek Prince. I'm like, I never even met Derek Prince. I I, want to say, I hate you. You know, that's what I told the rabbi, the local rabbi. I told him, "I, I hate you. Rabbi Robert Roberts? Don Roberts. Yeah, he told me he and his wife went to Woodstock. And I said, I hate you. <laughs> and he laughed. But Phil Borden says, I spent, and he says, I never, I couldn't believe he was such a humble man. One of the greatest theologians and teachers of the, the, of the charismatic revival, Derek Prince. Humble man. And then they would talk about stuff, and Derek Prince says to him, uh, So, what are you hearing from God? Derek Prince asking this young fledgling in the movement, What are you hearing from God? The least in the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> and so Derek Prince says, You say you've listened to all my tapes. I think I have also. I've listened to just about every tape Derek Prince ever made, or Bob Mumper, or Don Basham, or Charles Simpson, or Ern Baxter. And so he says, What's your favorite tape? Harry, you may may remember this. I think I do. But he says, It's a glorious church. You know where that comes from, right? Ephesians, the fifth chapter, when he says that Christ he washes the church. Who's the church? That's us. He washes the church with the washing of the water by the Word. He washes us with Word. Why? So that He might present to Himself a glorious church, a glorious bride, that is without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blame before him in love, a glorious bride. Hello? Do you get it? You get it? And that was, he was talking about that. What is the spot and wrinkle that's got to go in this church? This division, <laughs> you know, that's what he was getting to so that He could present Himself a glorious church. A glorious church. I remember Bob Mumford once said, talking about, you know, all glory goes to the Lord. God, all glory goes to you. You said, God said in His Word, I will not share my glory with another. He said that. Do you know where he said that? He's talking about another God. In other words, if you worship another God, he's not going to share God's glory. He's not going to share his glory with that God. Pick one. You, ought to, you, know, you, you can only serve one God. You cannot God in money or God in some other worship thing that you worship. And that's what he was talking about. And so Bob Mumper is talking about, God, you would not share your glory with me. Although it says in Romans 8, them he justified, them he glorified. He says, but God, Bob Mumford said, but God, you you said you wouldn't share your glory with me, with another. And God says to Bob Mumford, Bob, you're not another. You're bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You are my bride. I would share, a, I come to share my glory with you. That's not to say we don't do it for the glory of God. Hello? We're a glorious church. Were we becoming one? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's 144 references in the New Testament of who we are in Christ Jesus. And by every reference, by every acknowledgement, it energizes our faith. And it causes us to rise. It's like uh, Tim Keller would say, when we see what we are compared to God, we see that we are so unholy that, we, that He humbles us into the dust. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean He humbles us. He says we are so sinful and God is so righteous that He humbles us into the dust. But He loves us so much that He exalts us out of the dust into the heavenlies whoo, hallelujah. That's pretty cool. I've been exalted. I got a new, you know, I used to, I always say, hi, somebody says, how you doing? Well, I can either tell them the truth or lie. I'm doing really good. (laughs) Or I can say the word, you know. That feels kind of funny. So I, I used to say it is well with my soul. You know, like the songwriter there, after he lost his family. I've lost a lot of things, but I haven't lost my family. A lot of things. Never mind. So, my new answer my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit exalts in God my Savior. For he has looked with mercy on my lowliness. Hallelujah. And my name shall be forever exalted. My new name. Hello? Glory to God. If you get to thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think, just be reminded you're chief among all sinners You're the least of all saints. You're no better than the rest of the body. But we are bone of His bone and flesh of His flesh. But He's talking a great mystery. He says that about Adam and Eve. Bone of my bone, flesh of my bone. But I'm talking about a great mystery. I'm talking about Christ and His church. Let's pray. Thank You, Lord, for loving us Thank You, Lord, that You made Jesus sin. Oh, Lord, thank You, Jesus, that You let Yourself be made sin. The Father crushed You. Jesus, thank You so much. Thank You, Father, so that I might be the righteousness of You, Heavenly Father, in Christ Jesus. I am in Him. I've been raised with Him. I'm seated with Him. I am His workmanship. Hallelujah. Thank You, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.